You're now listening to a new episode of Gratitude Through Hard Times. Gratitude instills humility. Gratitude removes ego. Gratitude helps empower the best in others around you. Our goal is to guide individuals and companies to practice gratitude so you can live a longer, happier, and more successful life. Get ahead of life with connection and purpose. This is Gratitude Through Hard Times with Chris Shembra. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Gratitude Through Hard Times. It's your host, Chris Shembra. Uh, today, I'm broadcasting from a, quite a, a beautiful and sunny New York City January day. I couldn't think of a better way to kick off this year with the first episode of the year with our dear friend, Aaron Stafford. You know, so many of you are loyal listeners to this call and, uh, you know, you might remember this conversations, this podcast being called 747 Conversations. Well, due to your loyal listenership and support, when our recent book, Gratitude Through Hard Times, came out in June of 2022, you helped propel it to number one in the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. And in honor of that effort, we decided to rebrand our podcast to Gratitude Through Hard Times. Some of my favorite moments throughout the week are when you email in your thoughts, questions, comments, and concerns of today's episode guest. To all you new listeners, I don't know how you found us, but I welcome you with open arms. If you look past or if you look back through our podcast episode archives, You'll see hundreds of amazing episodes where our goal is to bring on some of the world's great leaders to share their story of how they've built the companies they've built through gratitude, empathy, and the meaningful moments of human connection. Today's guest is no stranger to building great companies, inspiring amazing teams, and leading through the power of human connection. Aaron has had a multi-hyphenate career. Everything from being a celebrity stylist to a jewelry store designer and brand owner in over 55 retail stores to most recently as the vice president of marketing for the largest healthcare uh, staffing company in the country. Uh, they, she was part of their growth from, I believe, $100 million to now multi-billion dollar company. Um, She's really, uh, she's put her time in the trenches and uh, she's come out with a lot of things to teach us about leadership, uh, burnout, human connection, service, everything. Today, we're talking about her newest book, The Type A Trap, Five Mindset Shifts to Beat Burnout and Transform Your Life. And I know who some of you listening to this podcast are, your go-getters your doers, your leaders of great teams that want to accomplish great things for our world. And I know how some of you are feeling, overwhelmed, tired, anxious, empty, sad, lonely, lost, unsatisfied with the progress that you're making in life. Aaron Stafford is right now the number one keynote speaker and soon to be number one best-selling author on the topic of helping you become less stressed, less burnt out, and more satisfied with what you're actually achieving in life. We're going to dissect her book and more, so stay tuned for this amazing conversation. Erin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I'm so excited to be here. I, um, 
you know, I, I wouldn't be remiss to say we met through our amazing community at Impact 11. Um, if you're in the market to grow your impact uh, on audiences worldwide as a, as a keynote speaker, as a deliverer of a message that is burning on your soul, in your heart, you need to join the Impact 11 community, go to their boot camp, go to their master class. It's a heck of a, heck of a wonderful place. Um, it's, uh, yeah, how, 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 did you, uh, how did you find your way to Impact 11 in the first place? I've been working with them since they were actually called Three Ring Circus. Three Ring so Circus, yeah. back in the day, it's been like three or four years, maybe three years now. Um, a friend of mine who's a speaker that I actually hired when I was the head of marketing for this big healthcare company, we put on a ton of different events. And so I had hired this speaker who's a very well-known speaker. Um, and I remember sitting in the audience knowing that we had paid him tens of thousands of dollars to speak. And I just remember sitting in the audience being like, I could do that. I could do, do that. that. That looks like so much fun. Like he's on stage, he's making an impact. He's sharing his stories, like doing all this cool stuff. I was like, I could do that. And so he put me in touch with impact 11. He's like, if you want to do this, this is where you have to start. Well, I know that there was some imposter syndrome and envy that was even attached to you joining impact 11 and meeting this community, but you've, you've certainly overcome it through the principles that are in this book here today. And I'm excited to dive into it. Aaron, before we get into this book conversation, we have to ask you the same question that we ask everybody at the start of every podcast episode. This is a question. Uh, so many of you listeners know the story. This is the question that we asked around the dinner table at our very first dinner party on July 15th, 2015. And we've asked this question, we've used this question to spark tens of thousands of relationship within the workplace in the last eight years of doing this work that we're doing. Aaron, if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, that you've never thought to thank, that you didn't write about in this book, who would that be? Gosh, now you're really, really, thanks for letting me prep this one, Chris. <laughs> you got this. That's the type A. You know how to rise up to the challenge. I know, I know. You know, it's so funny because my first thought ever for like gratitude is like my parents. I dedicated my whole book to them because they're like the most amazing human beings on the planet. But I feel like I give them a lot of credit and I'm constantly praising them for things. Um, I think... Oh, so many amazing people in my life, but I feel like I would have to give it to a high school teacher of mine who I loved, a guy named Mr. Scott, and he taught math. And like, most people don't love math, you know, at least most of my friends didn't. We were the <laughs> creatives, like we were not the math people. And he made math so simple and so easy to understand, but he was also just fun. And I feel like, you know, in high school, you think you know everything and you're too cool for everything. And he had a great way of keeping us in check. We didn't mess around in his class by any means, but he also was like cool and talked mm -hmm. to us like adults and didn't treat us like kids. So he really managed to blur that line between like, you still took him seriously and he taught you a lot, but he also respected us and treated us as adults and not just like little 
punks in high school, which we were. <laughs> but he was great. I feel like he opened my eyes to a lot of things. I ended up being his TA, his teacher's assistant my senior year because I I got along with him so well. And I don't know, I just, I, I've actually, it's funny you say this because I actually have thought about reaching out to like finding him on social media somewhere, just doing some sleuth work and finding him and like reaching out and thanking him for being such an incredible teacher and like making such an impact on my life. What would you say to him? Well, I think he taught me a lot about taking complicated subjects and breaking them down into really simple matters. And I feel like that's something that as leaders we need to do constantly is explain these complicated, hard things in really simple ways that people can understand them. And I just remember so many lessons that he would teach us about just obscure math problems. And, you know, part of me is sitting there going, I'm never going to need to know how to do this. Like, why am I learning this? But he would take these complicated things and break them down into such simple steps and it's easy to understand um, things that like it made it so clear and so easy to like do well in his class because he had such a grasp on the subject matter that he was able to explain it in a really simple way. Um, so I think I just learned a lot from him about, like I said, taking complicated things, breaking them down into simple terms, which is clearly a tool I use constantly, but also just not being afraid to use simple words. I think sometimes we try to overcomplicate things and and use big words to make ourselves sound good and smart, but really like you just sound like a moron, like just use simple terminology. And the, the more simple you can make it, I feel like the more you actually understand the subject matter. Mm. The more simple you can make it, the more you actually understand the subject matter. Yeah. Isn't there that great quote, but I think it's a Hemingway quote. Like I would have, I would have written a shorter letter, but I didn't have time, you know, yeah. like I, yeah. okay. it's something like that. Yeah. You know, like it's hard to say something in a few words. What is your teacher's name? Randy Scott. Cheers, Randy Scott. <laughs> you have taught Aaron how to take complex ideas and communicate them in a simple way. And that's exactly what Aaron's gone and done for us with this book. And I thank you for that. So Aaron, we're here to talk about the type A trap. Five mindset shifts to beat burnout and transform your life. And I know this is a really important topic to all our listeners on this call. Can you paint me a picture first of what the problem statistically that you see out in the universe? I mean, you write about that 33% of workers feel stress at extreme levels, 77% experience stress to physical levels, and 73% experience stress that affects their mental well-being. What's going on in the world in terms of burnout, anxiety, and stress? <laughs> How much time do you have, Chris? <laughs> you really dive into this one. But I think, you know, there's so much to say on this subject. I want to try and be succinct. Um, I think we live in a world that really rewards anxiety and stress and burning ourselves out, you know? I think we live in a world where we we idolize people who seem to be, quote, doing it all or who are killing it in work and life and they're in great shape and they're on these amazing vacations and they're the CEO of this company. Like 
We idolize people like that, but we don't know what toll it is taking on their physical and mental health, on their relationships, on their spirituality, on all of these different aspects of their lives. And so often it takes some jarring thing like a heart attack or a miscarriage or a divorce or a death in the family, you know, or getting fired or some big moment, oftentimes it takes something like that to sort of jar them and us into realizing, oh crap, my life is completely out of whack. I may be killing it on paper or on social media. It looks like I'm doing everything great, but like I'm really struggling and I'm not sure this is what I really want to be doing. You're ruining all of these relationships. And so it's it's hard because on the one hand, this is why I call it the trap, because on the one hand, all of these things that make us successful in our careers, the hustle, the grind, the grit, the long hours, the going to the conferences, taking the courses, doing all the things. On the one hand, these make us really successful, but they're also the very things that cause us to burn out. And so my research and this book is really focused on like, how do we find that balance between well, I still want to be successful. I still want to kick ass and achieve at the highest levels, as I know so many motivated, driven people do. But I want to do it in a way where I'm not hurting myself physically or mentally or hurting the people around me. And so what does that look like? How do we do that is really what, what I dive into here. It's amazing for you to say that you can have, <clears throat> and we'll really dive into how you can balance having both at the same time, how you can have a dream of big things that you want to accomplish and you can take care of yourself. You can take care of the people around you. You can, you can do it in an efficient way. Both can be true at the same time. Um, yeah. And we're going to, we're going to die. end up super successful, rich, all of these things, <clears throat> but you're so broken inside either because you That's have poor point. health or you've ruined all the relationships around you or you're so exhausted that you can't even enjoy the success that you've been working so hard for. Aaron, you have done a lot of research, both original and in preparation for this book, on how stressed, overwhelmed, anxious, burnt out we are as a society. There are many different types of people that make up what our society is, you not only self-identify, but then went out to study a specific type of person. And that is a type A person. When did you figure out that you were a type A individual? What is a type A individual? And what are they suffering through right now? Why, why did you make that your subset? I'm laughing because I feel like I was born type A. I have my entire life been this like super driven person. I mean, I had my first professional job in fourth grade. I was a munchkin in The Wizard of Oz and a professional theater production of The Wizard of Oz. I got paid in fourth grade to be this munchkin in this show. The, I literally was always in like 20 different things, dance and softball and all of the swimming and all of these things all through elementary school, all through junior high, 
high school, was on, you know, varsity swim team. I was a lifeguard. I was in student body. I went to all the dances. I did all the things. I mean, it's constantly been this way. I was full APIB, but then I also decided I wanted to take Italian and my school didn't offer Italian. So I went to the junior college while I was in high school to take Italian. I mean, you name it. I had like 10,000 things going on and I just never knew how to stop. Mm -hmm. And this just continued. And in high school, it was great because it's like, oh, she's so driven. Wonderful. She'll get into a good college, you know, and then you just keep going, going, going. And it's been great because I, I, I grew quite quickly in my career, but I just reached a point where I was like, this is not sustainable. And it took me having a pretty serious, you know, reckoning with myself and a lot of health issues and all sorts of things that we can get into if you like, um, to realize that. I had to start making a few changes. I couldn't just keep living in this constant go, go, go more, more, more mentality because it's not sustainable. Um, I also did a lot of real deep digging on why I'm like this. And, you know, again, I, I always feel so conflicted because on the one hand, it's been amazing and I love it. And it's, you know, given me a lot of great opportunities. But on the other hand, it's just it's really caused a lot of problems also in my health and in my, my relationships. And, um, I looked back and I was like, what, what is my definition of success? That was one of the big things that I needed to reevaluate. And I know my friend Ben Nempton just talked about this on his social media recently as well. And it's something that I talk about a lot is like, what is my definition of success? And for so long, my worth was always defined by how much I accomplished. What did I accomplish? What have I achieved? That's what makes me feel successful. And the older I get, the more I realize, yeah, that's great, but I want to be able to sleep through the night. I want to do things that I enjoy. I want to spend time with people that I love. I want to be healthy. I want to feel good. I want to be excited and passionate about work that I'm doing. I want to be able to travel. Like there's so many other things that affect success. It's not just like, oh, how many things did I tick off my, my to-do list today? And so I really had to reevaluate that. And if we want to go into like childhood stories, I can tell you another story of like why I think I'm like that. Do you want me to, do you want me to go there? I want to hear that because I was going to ask the question of is type A, a type A personality, is it nature or nurture? Did something happen in a childhood that, right, that, that you've identified might have made you follow that path and define sex? success in that way? I think a lot of it is nature. Like I think a lot of people are just straight up born this way, but <laughs> there are things that can absolutely affect it. And I know for myself, I grew up uh, with a brother who was the hot guy. Like my brother was the guy that every guy wanted to be and every girl wanted to date. You know, he was the guy in school. And I was just his ugly, invisible little sister. And then to add insult to injury, my best friend, who is still my dearest best friend, she was the hot girl. And every time we would go out, we'd go to a bar, people, I'd be like all excited. A guy's coming up to talk to me and they'd be like, is your friend single? I'm like, oh, oh. God, I'm just like constantly surrounded by these people. And I just never felt like I was like 
the cute girl or anything. And so I think from a very young age, I was like, I'm just going to outperform these people. Mm. I'm just going to work harder. I'm going to do more. I'm going to accomplish more, achieve more, push myself more. And, you know, I, I just have continued on that. And I think I became very accustomed to getting attention for things that I did and accomplished. And that mm. made me feel good. It mm. made me feel good to know that like I was getting attention for achieving something great, doing something great, being so motivated, driven, blah, blah, blah. And I think that has absolutely progressed throughout my life. And now it's just become second nature. And it's it's really only been in the last probably three, four years where I've had to really evaluate like, why why is this my definition of success? Why do I feel this way? And okay, I'm 43 years old. My brother's 45. Like we, we I don't need to be jealous of him getting the hot chicks, you know, like <laughs> I can just redefine my definition of success now and realize that it's not just about accomplishing stuff. Like, am I sleeping through the night? Am I free of stress? Am I eating well? Do we feel good? All of those things. Attention through achievement, scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. melatonin and CBD to get to sleep. It sounds like a lot of the things that you went through and you were programmed to feel, I'm only worthy if I achieve something. I'm going to go out and outperform those people. A lot of you listeners, I know your stories. It's not too dissimilar from some of your early childhood experiences as well. I want to start shifting into the different mindset shifts that you write about in your book, because a lot of what you just said is outlined, you know, in that book, you know, us type A personalities that want to go achieve, 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 achieve. We're constantly on this hedonic treadmill, as you say, right? LGO says that the worst four words in the English dictionary are I'll be happy when you write about that. Yeah. You write about that a lot in this book. So tell me, um, those words, the hedonic treadmill, Mm -hmm. the I'll be happy when, Those actually are part of a very important mindset shift that I want to talk about and dive deep on in your book. First, give our our listeners the full five at a super high level. What are these mindset shifts um, at a super high level? And then we can we go into take a victory lap so you can paint a picture of what it means like to go from scarcity mindset to abundance through this one mindset shift? Yeah, I mean, how they even first came about is just through all my research. I had a research partner that was helping me. I did all the interviews and surveys and stuff myself, but as you can imagine, that's a lot of information to get back. And so I had a little help trying to fit all this research into some buckets. And some of the common themes that just kept coming back from all of these surveys and all of these interviews were these five mindset shifts to some degree. Obviously, we massaged them a bit and created, you know, something that was a little bit more general to to encompass a lot of these. But it really just came through the research of other high achievers who have experienced and accomplished incredible things and how they 
stay at that level of peak performance without burning out. So we kind of condensed it into these five shifts. So decoding your fro- flow, <laughs> decoding your fro. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. De- decoming your fro. <laughs> <laughs> as someone with very curly hair that I painstakingly straightened, I could tell you all about that as well. Um, <laughs> so decoding your flow is really all about instead of trying to master everything, no matter what, it's really shifting to strict and methodical selection of how we spend our time. I feel like so often as motivated, driven overachievers, we are just like, I will do anything and everything. I'll make it happen. I can do it all. And really getting out of our own heads and realizing that we don't have to do it all. We can delegate. We can hire people. We can buy back our time. We can do all of those things. We don't have to focus on everything and master every single thing. So that's decoding your flow. Releasing the reins is exactly what it sounds like trying to just let go instead of being control freaks, instead of trying to hold on for dear life to every single aspect of our life and our teams. It's delegating. It's letting go. It's being okay with something not being 100% saying, you know what? This is good enough for now. We're going to go with it. Delegating, empowering your team so that you can take stress off yourself. Um, the next one's pivot like a pro. That's probably one of my favorite ones, which is really just instead of being destination focused, pivoting and moving with agility. So often as driven goal oriented people, we can set our sights on a goal and come hell or high water, we will make it to that goal. But the reality is sometimes you could get halfway down a road and be like, you know what? I don't really care about this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. This was my goal. But life has changed. Things have happened. I've shifted my focus. I'm not interested in this anymore. And being okay with realizing you can pivot, you can shift. Just because you said you were going to do something doesn't mean that if it's no longer interesting you, you, you can't pivot, move, change, be okay with saying, ah, cut my losses. I'm done with that. I don't want to do it anymore. Then it's slowing down to speed up. I think, you know, we are really good at just continuing to do more. I know when I burnt out, I looked at recovering from my burnout as the next thing that I was going to accomplish. And so I was going to be the best burnout recoverer (laughs) that I ever could be. My schedule was so jam-packed with every recovery tool I could think of. I was like, am I relaxed yet? And I wasn't. I mean, I was taking, doing therapy and massages and facials and acupuncture and chiropractors. And I mean, hypnosis, I was literally doing everything under the sun. And the reality is I just needed to slow my roll and do a little bit less. You know, you know, you've been through the same thing in the last few months. Like you've just got to be okay with slowing down a little bit and doing less. And ultimately you will be able to go so much further and faster after you get a bit of a, a rest and a recharge. And then last one is the take the victory lap. So we're as leaders driven overachievers, type A's, we're very good at constantly moving the goalpost. We get somewhere, we're like, okay, we achieved it. What's next? It's constantly go, 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 win. What's next? There's no time to really enjoy what we've just accomplished or celebrate the progress. And the reality is those massive, huge wins They don't happen in people's lives every day or every week or every month. Those big wins 
Those don't happen all the time. So it's like, how can we celebrate the progress? How can we celebrate those small wins? How can we celebrate the important things in our lives? I just threw my dad an 80th birthday party on Saturday. And that to me is like one of the most special things I can do. Like celebrate this milestone birthday of his, get his friends and his family together, share stories, love on him. You know, how can we celebrate some of these wins that aren't always just oh, I became a New York Times bestseller or now I'm CEO or my company's grown 5X this year. You know, like there's so many other small things that we can celebrate along the way. How do we incorporate those more into our lives so that we're not constantly moving this goalpost and never feeling that we've achieved the thing we want to achieve because we just, there's always another mountain to climb. Mm. (laughs) Let's not back there. There's always another mountain to climb. Yeah, always. Aaron, these five mindset shifts, you have been uh, speaking about for uh, a long time before the book even came out. You've tested them on audiences. You've tested them in your your professional coaching uh, relationships. What's a good case study? Uh, not to you don't need to name names or 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 you know give exact details, but like what could someone that's listening to this call expect to feel if they do these five mindset shifts from burnt out, overwhelmed, empty, sad, lonely, lost to grateful and connected? And releasing of the reins and more time for vacation, all this kind of stuff. What, what, what does that shift look like? What can you promise on the back end of this? Well, what I can promise is that there is no one size fits all. There is no silver bullet. I always mm. relate preventing and overcoming burnout to diet and exercise. We don't just get to eat well and exercise one day. And all of a sudden we are in incredible shape, the epitome of health. No. We've got to eat the vegetables, drink more water, have less booze, take the stairs, you know, get the salad instead of the French fries. Like these are all small little things that we have to keep doing every day for the rest of our lives if we want to stay healthy. And the same things are true with preventing and overcoming burnout. It is not a matter of just take a two week vacation and come back and you're great because all that does is just delay the issue. We've all met people who just quit one job, go to another job only to get burnt out in another month or so. It's not the job. I mean, okay, sometimes it can be super toxic. I get that. But in general, I feel like most of the time we have to make the mindset shifts. We have to change ourselves, our thinking, our behavior so that we don't burn out again. And what that Mm. can look like is, you know, the stress is not going anywhere. The demands are not going anywhere, particularly if you are an executive or a leader or a CEO of a large company. You got a lot on your plate. You got people staring at you. You got shareholders wanting their returns. You know, all of these things, this stress, this pressure is not going anywhere. So it's a matter of learning the tools, learning the techniques Mm -hmm. that you can deploy in your own life day in, day out to help you mitigate that burnout, to help you uh, uh, recognize it when it's coming. Because so often we just push, 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 and then we collapse. 
And what we've got to get in the habit of doing is being better at recognizing, okay, I'm starting to feel a little flustered. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. I'm really not sleeping that well. My Mm. diet's pretty poor lately. God, I've really been snapping at my partner a lot lately. You know, what are these small little, and the warning signs are going to be different for different people, but what are those warning signs that are going to start setting you off? I have a whole assessment in my book for that measures like eight different areas of your life. So you can really start to see like, oh God, I guess I'm really struggling in that area. You know, you can start to become aware and then start making those changes. That could be going to bed an hour earlier at night. That could be really carving out some time to spend with your partner or your kids or your parents or whoever makes you happy. You know, it could be scheduling that weekend away, but knowing that that weekend isn't going to solve everything. We've got to make these changes within us. But the reality is then once you learn the tools, once you learn the techniques, you can recognize this before it becomes an issue you can start deploying some of those tools. And again, that that stress, the anxiety, the demands of life in a, in a successful executive's life, they're not going anywhere. But you've now become more capable to deal with them before they burn you out and you have the heart attack, the gallstones, the kidney stones, whatever else, you know? You know, it's so beautiful, Aaron. You talk about how, you know, it's, it's a very empowering book because all you really need to um, to make this full shift uh, away from burnout into well-being is yourself. You don't have to rely on your external situation to change. You don't have to rely on your your stepmother or or mother-in-law being less snappy. You don't need to rely on different market conditions changing. You don't re- need to rely on your neighbor being less noisy. You make the change within yourself. It impacts the way you show up into the world, which then has a positive impact on how others can show up into this world. You know, this may be a, a you know, this may be a, a book that's completely about five internal mindset shifts to change your life, but it's really a book about human connection. It's about how can you show up different to inspire meaningful moments of human connection within, mm-hmm. within others. Why is that human connection element so important now more than ever? It's huge. I mean, I have a whole section in here about finding your hype squad. And when I left my corporate job and became a speaker and an author, my husband thought I was having a midlife crisis. My friends all thought I was nuts. They don't know anything about speakers. They're like, you have an amazing job. You're going to quit this incredible job at this multi-billion dollar hyper growth company to go be a speaker about burnout. What? (laughs) You know, and it wasn't until I found this Impact 11 community that Chris mentioned earlier that all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, these are my people. Like I instantly (laughs) felt like they're my people. They get it. They get what I'm into. They get what I'm passionate about. We're both, we're all like driven. We love to make an impact. We love to help people. You know, we're excited about this industry and what we can do and the impact we can make. And ever since I found that group, it's no surprise that now my career, my speaking career has really taken off because I feel like I have my people now. And so I always encourage my audiences, you know, if you haven't found your people, 
whatever it is, people are into some weird crap. But the good news is, is you can find your people on the internet. You can find them through meetup groups. You can find people that are into the same stuff you are. And it makes all the difference in the world because all of a sudden you feel supported by people that are passionate about what you're passionate about. It just makes all this, it makes all the difference. That's true belonging. Being able to show up into the world as you authentically are and finding others who accept you for that. Absolutely. And then when you are faced with these issues again, because we're going to continue to be tested, burnout will keep knocking on our door. It is not going anywhere. But you've now already made it through once. You've learned the skills, the techniques. You now have a group of people that you can call on and ask for help and support. And you're going to deal with it better. I mean, I burnt out hard about three and a half, four years ago. At that point, I didn't have the tools. You know, I had a master's in social psychology. I had some tools. I had had a pretty good career, but like I didn't have all of these tools. And it was after doing all this research and surveying and and reading and all of the things that I started gathering these tools that really helped pull me out of that black hole. Then I was riding high and feeling real good for a few years. And as we talked about earlier, before we got on this call, I've had a really difficult few months. These last few months have been hard. I've been through a lot personally, um, some of which I've shared on social media, some of which I haven't, but it's been a really, really rough, rough, rough few months. And I am so thankful that I've already cultivated these tools to help get me through this process because now I'm dealing not with burnout, but with some pretty traumatic personal stuff but I already have tools that can help me get through it. I'm not starting from zero where I was before, like four, three, four years ago. And so I'm able to get through this a lot easier and a lot quicker, I think, than I was a few years ago. So, you know, they can help you in so many different areas of your life. Aaron, we we don't need to go into details of what you've been through, but... I'm so grateful that you're with us and I'm so grateful that you're doing this hard work and I'm so grateful that you can keep being re-inspired to know that you are on the path of bringing something to the world that the world needs. And unfortunately, artists, authors, speakers have to go through really difficult times themselves to, to recommit to the content that they know that they can share with the world. Um, and, 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 and you're, you're going through that and there are beautiful blessings on the other end of that. Um, and, and, and I know, you know that. Yeah, I do. And I feel thankful to have already cultivated these skills to help get me through, you know, some, some pretty challenging times. Well, Aaron, um, I want to honor your time and I want to honor our listeners time. Um, you know, one of the things that you mentioned um, as we slowly start to close out, you know, one of the things that you, that you mentioned is that first we have to become aware that we're burnt out and then we can use the tools, the mindset shifts that are in the book to actually do something about that. And folks, I want to comment on the burnout assessment that is in Aaron's book. Uh, Aaron, can you like with within 45 seconds describe the assessment and then I want to describe my reaction to the assessment. Yeah. So it just talks, it goes, it's about 
a bunch of different questions and it talks through health, work, faith, spirituality, family and friends, finances, and fun. And so it talks through all those different areas and it helps you assess. I ask a number of different questions for each of those areas and just helps you assess where you are. You might be killing it in your health and eating really well and keto and gluten-free and all the things, but maybe your faith and spirituality is totally lacking. And if that's important to you, maybe there's there's something you need to do to make a shift in that area. Or, you know, maybe you're killing it at work, but you're spending no time having fun. You don't get to do the date nights with your partner. You're not spending time with your kids. You're not going on the vacations, you know? So it really helps put things into perspective as to what areas maybe you're over, over indexing, as my friend Greg Scheinman says, uh, the midlife male, you know, are you over indexing in a certain area? Are you overcompensating in a certain area? Are you spending too much time in one area and really neglecting another? Mm. It's a, it's a beautiful assessment. Um, you score, um, you score yourself on how you answered those questions on a scale of zero to a hundred with three different categories. If you scored zero to 33, you're in the shallow end. You should count your blessings, my friend, as she says. <laughs> if you're 34 to 67, there's a wake up call. And if you're 68 to 100, you're in the danger zone. So if you're listening to this, I want you to go and take that assessment because you might look at your life and not realize <laughs> just how messed up you really are. <laughs> and this assessment will, 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 will tell you, you, you really need to pay attention to this book and do something about it. But yeah. what it did for me, and this is going to sound embarrassing and kind of cringy for me to say it, I scored a 31, which put me in the shallow end. And the first line of, of the assessment result of that section is, count your blessings, my friend. You're in far better shape than most. And you know what that helped me do? That helped me check the facts of my life and realizing, dude. You're crying over spilt milk. Yeah. You don't have things that hard. Count your blessings. You're the gratitude dude and you suck at gratitude right now. I don't have to shift that much around in my life to actually have monumental impact on my own well-being. I can actually yeah. go in and do a couple mindset shifts in Aaron's book. And be right where I want to be. And so it was pretty humiliating yeah. to realize I cry a little bit too much compared to how good I really have it in life. And I know a few of you out there as well, you got a billion in the bank. You got the wife and kids at home. Life looks pretty good. You should start appreciating. Yeah. You're not doing too bad. And we're all guilty of it at times. We're all guilty of it. And we, like everything, we just need a little reminder sometimes, yeah. you know? So, you go to the gym, uh, you do the same thing all the time, but sometimes a new trainer tells you to do it a slightly different way. And you're like, oh my gosh, I get yeah. it. That makes sense now. I mean, you just sometimes need to hear it from somebody else as a little gentle reminder. So Aaron, uh, I, you know, I thank you for coming on our podcast. To all our listeners, you know, we me. only... We only gave you a high level overview, um, but you know, if you really go through each of the five mindset shifts, you will hear her write about a lot of the things that I know you love about what we do here at 747. 
right? Going to uh, practicing gratitude, getting off that hedonic treadmill instead of micromanaging, shifting to empowering others. This is the stuff that you believe in. I know it is. So go on and pick up the type A trap. And the next time you're thinking about what you or your organization are going through in terms of burnout, go to Erin, bring her in. She will work you through her amazing program and it will produce outsized business results and for the well-being of the people you serve and your own self. She's really uh, one of the hardest workers in the industry. She's got the greatest testimonials from the people that she's worked with. And uh, she's got the Impact 11 seal of approval. Um, I'm working on getting that one. Um, but no, the uh, Aaron, thank you for coming on the podcast. Do you have any last words in closing? Thank you for having me. It's always such an honor. You know, the, the only thing I can leave you with is that your worth is not defined by your productivity. It is too easy to get caught up in that. Your worth is not defined by your productivity. We don't have to be defined by that. Aaron, <laughs> thank you for that mic drop moment. Um, folks, Aaron's, uh, the, the link to the book and all of Aaron's info is in the show notes below. Um, go support her on the on the interwebs. Find her at a conference near you. Uh, keep emailing in your questions, thoughts, comments, concerns. I'll pass along to Aaron. I hope uh, to see you at our next episode. If you haven't clicked that subscribe button, do so now. But most importantly, Happy New Year. I hope you're having a phenomenal day on Earth. Remember, folks, it's your world. Go explore. And we'll see you next episode. Ciao.